All right, Eagles fans, somehow, someway, we pulled off a, a voodoo doll curse on the New Orleans Saints, uh, and the Eagles took down New Orleans 40-29 to last week, and we find ourselves with six games remaining right in the thick of a playoff hunt in the NFC because that's exactly what this Eagles season was epitomized to be. It's Eagles Enemies, presented by Underground Sports Philadelphia, KB coming at you, and joining me, ever so graciously to talk about the New York football giants who are in the news because we'll talk about all uh, things Jason Garrett and him unfortunately being fired from our perspective uh, but the man the myth the legend my good friend Danny King from Talking Giants what's going on man welcome back to the show thank you it's been what since 2019 was the last time and now I'm a might be a gambling expert. I haven't checked the record from Sunday, and now I'm a weatherman. Gambling we are, expert, gambling, weatherman, Danny. Gambling King. expert. Yeah, get, please get the titles right. I, I worked hard <laughs> for these titles, but no, it's good to be back. The Giants are bad. The Eagles might be good? Question mark. So these are just weird, not weird times. It's, it's weird for you guys. It's just yeah. The, it's just been the normal for us these past few weeks. Yeah, part for the course over the last you know yeah. five years for the five Giants. Uh, <laughs> the uh, the news obviously is we record this on Tuesday because it is a holiday week, so we're getting our recording in earlier than usual. But the Giants have fired uh, the man, the myth, the legend, the king of the clap, Jason Garrett. Uh, claps out for Jason Garrett. I asked you before we started recording your your excitement level one to ten, but you went even further and said that Monday night's loss is now a win in the book for the Giants. Oh, and 100% is. Jason Garrett was th an absolute liability for this team. He was just one of the worst offensive coordinators you probably could have hired because he's living in the Stone Age with his system. And now he exposed himself on national television. Everyone was clowning on him off a of bye week. And now he's fired. It was... <laughs> if on that's the Giants offense has at least a semi-chance of being halfway decent. Yeah, and I mean... I, I saw something put onto the Twitter timeline and it just made me chuckle that the Giants under Jason Garrett failed to score 30 points once in 26 games. I mean, it, it's strange because he, he had success with the Cowboys and obviously there's a talent gap from what is in Dallas and what has been on this Giants roster for you guys over the last couple seasons. But to not be able to put up 30 points once in 26 games, you it's, it's like almost impossible to do that in today's NFL, and somehow Jason Garrett found a way. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I I, I said on our previous show for the Bucks game, I was like, you know what, this is the game. Off a of bye week, we're feeling good about the Giants. They're gonna put up thirty points this week. They only put up ten points and one touchdown. Mind blowing. And it's still even like last year, the talent wasn't there, but this year they gave him Kenny Galladay, uh, Saquon Barkley coming back. I, I know no one likes Evan Ingram, and everyone clowns on him, but he when he wants to be good, he makes some impressive plays. Uh, Sterling Shepard, Kadarius Tony, they gave him everything he needed, and he still somehow failed to put up 30 points, a halfway decent decent offensive scheme. And players would just turn on. You saw it last uh, Monday night. Uh, Kenny Galladay just looked lazy, just didn't seem to care, and I don't blame him for not caring. Because why would you want to be here when you're just not being targeted? Granted, you got a nice payday, but like you're just not a part of the system. And then Kadarius Tony's being wasted. He was just such a liability, and the Giants now have the the best chance to prove what they could have been offensively. I know not much is going to change because it's midseason, but they have a better chance to at least pull out the more aggressive plays that Garrett just refused to call, or maybe he just doesn't even have that in his system. I know he does because Freddie Kitchens, when he took over last year against the Browns, did exactly the aggressive part we wanted from him. So it's going to be – it's now the, the true test of the Giants now begins with can they actually be a halfway decent offensive team. It's too late. 
but can they prove that they were actually what they could have been? And you bring up Kenny Galladay, and I feel like so many people like forget that he's playing this year because it's like he's been non-existent since he signed with the Giants. I tweeted this last night. It's like somehow Kenny Galladay left the Detroit Lions and got worse. Yeah. What has been the story with him coming to the Giants? Because I feel like he's just fallen off the face of the earth. I mean, Andrew Thomas has more touchdowns than Kenny Galladay. That's just a a fact that is pathetic. But it's where we are with... uh, yeah, it's, I can't believe that was an actual stat. But Kenny, they're just not utilizing Kenny Galladay the way he was. He was that guy that you could throw in the middle of the field. You could throw him a one-on-one ball, and he usually comes down for it, or he's that contested catch type of guy. The Giants never put him in that situation. They just – Jason Garrett just didn't – it just it felt like he didn't know how to utilize Kenny Galladay in the slightest. And like, he he pitched in this office that, like, you're going to be something. That's why Kenny Galladay signed here. He left the city of Detroit. He's thinking, like – I left a terrible organization. Now I can maybe come to an organization that's on the up, and they still don't use him correctly. I don't. I don't understand what went wrong. But he just did use Kenny Galladay as that one-on-one guy in the middle of the field to go up and get one-on-one balls, and that's the thing. Garrett was always scheme was always underneath. It was below the sticks, ten yards or less, even five yards. It was just he just never utilized him in the right way. Which is so strange with Garrett coming from Dallas and Amari Cooper being there, and he coached so many prolific wide receivers that are similar to like what Kenny Galladay can bring to the table. And it's just like he failed to utilize him at all whatsoever. Um, but you brought up Kadarius Tony as well. He's kind of been a bright spot for you guys when he's been able to make plays happen. Uh, you know, he's a he's a very on brand wide receiver for Twitter as well with all of his tweets. Uh, I see every Giants fan that I follow quote tweeting him, telling him to shut up from time and time again because of his uh his tweets out there on the Twitter machine. But how do you feel about uh Kadarius Tony and just the way that he's been able to like utilize his skill set coming in as a guy who I think a lot of people one didn't really like grade highly in terms of just being uh you know a wide receiver that could be utilized like year one the way that the Giants have been able to use him and the way that he's been able to maximize his strengths and two a guy that I think some Giants fans were very skeptical about drafting uh Kadarius Tony when they did and you know getting him involved right off the jump yeah that's the other thing Kadarius Tony he would like when the Giants drafted him it was like I didn't know who Kadarius Tony was because he was just some dude from Florida. And that was the guy I did not expect the Giants to take. And then you you watch a highlight of Kadarius Tony, and you you saw the potential giver. He's that speed guy. He it, you you could give him a drag, and he could probably take that to the house easily. Jason Garrett refused to use him for multiple weeks. It took him until the same even when the injury is Tony Galladay, Sterling Shepard, and all of them, he refused to use him. And then it took till week four when with his limited ref, Kadarius Tony made a name for himself. Jason Garrett's like, Oh, maybe this Kadarius Tony guy can actually be involved in this offense. And then he made plays here and there. Then obviously Tony got hurt with uh was it the ankle or something like that? Either way. Yeah. Still, and then when he came back, he just, just refused to use him. Like it, it it's like Tony got I think seven targets last night. So that might have been the most he's received in some time under Garrett. He, Garrett was afforded so much. Off the quarters would kill, and I mean would kill to have half the talent he was given. Like I said, he had Amari Cooper in Dallas, and now he had Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Tony, Saquon Barkley, and he just didn't use them properly. It was it was almost like he wanted to fail in New York, in my opinion. That that's basically how he coached, how he used these players. He want I think he almost wanted to see Daniel Jones fail. And that's it's it's 
I don't know who hired him. I don't believe Joe judged it. I believe he was recommended by John Mara because, you know, the whole connection with him being the back with quarterback for the Giants. But Jason Garrett wasted the potential this team had, and this team is just set back for probably another two years, maybe even more because Jones' contract's coming up, Saquon Barkley's contract's coming up. Got to make decisions there. This, this team is so far back in their rebuild, and they have so much cap space allocated next year because of the, the way they structure these contracts with Galladay and Williams, because they thought they were going to go for it this year, when in reality, they're not even going for it probably within the next three years. You know, you bring up John Mara, uh, king of anti-fun, obviously voted on, uh, you know, the taunting rule that has plagued the NFL this season. Time and time again, uh, John Mara will never see uh, the light of day, and he'll see the gates of hell uh, for voting for that. But what do you think it is about just the way he runs this Giants organization. Obviously, you guys won the Super Bowl in 2011, but ever since then, it almost seems like John Mara, you know, getting 07 and getting 11, it, it kind of just like gave him a high that he feels like he's still on and he's kind of just living in the clouds and has failed to realize that this Giants team has fallen off a cliff almost since 2011. Yeah, he refuses. He almost refuses to acknowledge that this team has fallen off. If you look, when the Giants obviously fired Jerry Reese, which I believe you had to do because there was just a nightmare scenario in 2017, instead of going outside the organization to get an outside philosophy, he grabs Dave Gelman. Obviously, he had the good year at Carolina, I believe the year before. That's when they had their 15 1 season, mm-hmm. which, yeah, he had a, built a solid team. But we saw he fell out in Carolina and he was not liked by those players. He was Josh Norman did like him. Players, uh, Steve Smith didn't like him. There might, I think it was D'Angelo Williams, possibly, mm-hmm. with the other guy that didn't like him. You bring in an, an uh, uh, older-thinking GM and that has been in your organization for years. You don't get that outside perspective to possibly rebuild this team. And that's what we needed. We went. It was basically, You went inside your organization. You just chose a guy that hasn't worked for you in multiple years. He And then now, John is... Obviously, Joe Judge was, an out, was like one of the more crazy coaching options he could have chose, but he just... He didn't... He's got to acknowledge that this team is broken and you need to get an outside guy to come in here and fix his organization. Cause like we all, there's the assistant GM, Kevin Abrams, that multiple people are convinced he would be the guy. I believe he would be the guy because why is he still here? Because he's a very talented guy with the whole cast base. There's the whole Lewis Riddick thing. I don't know who they would need to get, but you need to get an outside perspective to come into this organization, to give you an honest assessment top to bottom why this organization has failed ever since 2011 minus the 2016 year. But John Merritt, refu- he just refuses to acknowledge, in my opinion, that this team is broken because I don't think he can muster the words to say, I have failed this organization ever since 2011, and I don't, and I need to get an outsider to come in here and fix it. And from my perspective, it is long live Dave Gettleman because yeah, yeah. as long as he is running the Giants, I feel yeah. good about the Giants not accomplishing yeah. anything yeah. in the NFC and East. The, oh, that's the other thing. Whenever the Giants are going to hire someone, they bring in Ernie Accorsi. Ernie Accorsi... <laughs> I love great guy. He got Eli Manning, but I'm sorry. He's from the stone age. Can we get someone new? Get someone forward thinking, please, to help you with this GM search. There's got to be someone better. But yeah, as long as Dave Gelman is the Giants GM, which he won't be after this year, whether he's fired or, or retires because he wants to go live in Cabo or whatever the island was to live out his dream after he drafted Daniel Jones, they got to do a real-life assessment top to bottom to figure out what's wrong with this team because they're not a year away for the Super Bowl. They're probably not even two years away. You're probably three, four years away at this point. How do you feel about Daniel Jones at this point in his career since being drafted as you know the chosen one from quarterback and, and notorious football school Duke University? Uh, how do you David feel? Legend. How do you feel about uh, Daniel Jones right now? And do you think 
you know, he's going to be with this team after this season, after next season. Is is he still kind of the guy, in your opinion, or is he, you know, kind of just there until, you know, 2023 rolls around and you guys are, are looking for your next quarterback? Well, either way, the, the, the Giants should not be drafted a quarterback this upcoming draft. The class is not good. You have what? Nobody Matt should be drafting a quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> Matt Coral and the guy from Liberty, those are the only two big names. Spencer Rattler's just been an embarrassment for Oklahoma this year. Daniel Jones has been good this year. That's just a fact of life. He had a bad game Monday. He made some terrible decisions. He looked like a moron on national television, and that's why people are like saying, like, oh, Daniel Jones is the boss of the Giants. Yeah, exactly what everyone, every Daniel Jones hater he saw, they're like, yes, national television bust. That's exactly what we need. He's not a one o'clock bus. No, but Daniel Jones has been good this year. And you saw it under Pat Shermer. Daniel Jones had had like 24 touchdowns. He had like 12, maybe a little more interceptions. So far under Jason Garrett, he only has 20 touchdowns combined the previous two years. Pat Shermer knew how to utilize Daniel Jones to get the best out of him. Jason Garrett failed because Daniel Jones' game is the deep ball. Going downfield, taking risks, hurling that ball deep, not these short intermediate passing game because that's just not Daniel Jones' style. I I can't sit here and say I believe Daniel Jones is a guy because I can't say that with full confidence. But there's no there's no doubt in my mind that Jason Garrett failed Daniel Jones. The hiring of him set him back, and now they're going to be looking for another offensive court. And that's another thing. The only reason why Jason Garrett was still here this year was because of the whole pandemic. You could argue he didn't have the time to truly implement this offense. Now that he's gone, you're going to get a more honest assessment with Freddie Kitchens because Freddie Kitchens is an aggressive guy in Baker Mayfield under Freddie Kitchens, extremely aggressive for those for that year and a uh, year and a half, I guess uh, he was his coach, but Dan, I'm not going to say he's the guy. I don't know if he'll be here in two years, but there's n- no way to honestly assess him right now. In my opinion, because he was just failed by Jason Garrett these past two seasons, but this was his best year under Garrett by far bar none. It was a solid effort from Joe's to play with how he was, especially with a piss poor offensive line. And then how do you feel about Saquon Barkley? Obviously, Everybody knows drafting a running back number two overall when you're in the midst of a rebuild is the right thing to do. But obviously, Saquon over the past couple seasons has dealt with a number of injuries, hasn't really looked the same per se. And I don't know if that's just a product of Jason Garrett being the offensive coordinator and just how it's an insult to the, the term vanilla his offense was. But how vanilla the offense was from Jason Garrett. How do you feel about Saquon right now? And where do you see him in just, you know, the rest of this season playing out, where do you see him in this matchup against the Eagles and their front, uh, you know, defensive line and the emergence of TJ Edwards, oddly enough, being the Eagles best linebacker um, and, you know, down the line with with Saquon with the Giants organization. Sometimes we all just need to wind down after a long day of enjoying our favorite sports teams go to work and with the rise of streaming platforms new tv shows and movies are popping up every single week and it might be overwhelming not knowing exactly what to watch well that's where streamer season comes in the exclusive streaming platform discussion podcast for tv and movies on the underground sports philadelphia podcast network join me kb and a plethora of our hosts right here at usp breaking down all the new tv and movies that you guys should be watching across all the various streaming platforms that are available to the masses. Catch us on streamer season wherever you get your podcasts. I mean, first I got to correct you, Kyle. It was actually rebuilding while winning. That's that was the philosophy <laughs> we were promised by Dave Gell in that press conference. 
So you got to get it right. We were rebuilding while winning. But no, Saquon, it, he was the most excited player of football in 2018, and he has just fallen off a cliff. 2019, he had that ankle sprain, which held him out. But even when he was playing, he just wasn't anything special. Defense had caught on to him. Obviously, last year, the torn ACL. He came back this year, and even for the games when he did play in, he just wasn't anything special. Saquon tries to do too much behind the line of scrimmage. He tries to be too fancy, like trying to bounce it back and forth, thinking he can bust one out to the right or left side, when in reality, you just got to try and run north and south every once in a while, buddy. That's that's running. You just can't you can't break all of them for a touchdown. But I don't know. Like 2018, I was like, oh, Saquon Barkley's going to be a giant for life. He might be the greatest running back to ever play the game of football now. What, so we're in year, what, three, four? You know, year four at this point, he's due a contract at least next year. So I'm assuming the Giants are going to pick up his option if they haven't already. I'm not sure the whole situation regarding that. But I, I don't know how right now the Giants can say they can give Saquon Barkley a massive contract because he just hasn't lived up to the expectations. And he's not really the same since the ACL. We haven't seen a huge run to see Saquon bust one and see the true speed he has. And honestly, Eagles defense, you guys got a solid defensive front. I would imagine... You would probably hold Saquon to a relatively decent, like, game in in the in terms of the run. Like, do you know where the Eagles rank defensively in the run? So it, it's been tough this year uh, with the run. You know, defense they they've been better as of late, but you know yeah. they they let Mark Ingram kind of run a little yeah. bit wild on them uh, last Sunday. But it's been tough with the Eagles because our we we came to notice as Eagles fans and people who just cover the team too. I think we we did not put enough emphasis on how good of a run-stopping defensive end Brandon Graham is. And as soon as he got injured uh, early in the season and was removed from this defense, it really put a, an emphasis on, wow, the Eagles don't have a lot of, you know, run-stuffing, uh, you know, edge presence. They don't have a lot of run-stopping across the defensive line. But I think as the season's gone on and we've kind of, you know, figured out some guy's strength, it's been a little bit better. But obviously... The Eagles' pass defense this year is much better than their run yeah. defense. Because I'm, I'm looking at Saquon's like yards per attempt. He averages like usually four yards per attempt per game. So I mean, like he gets like he doesn't he he's not busting these big run plays for decent yardage. He's getting like these short run games that sets the Giants up on like maybe a second and second and six, second and seven, keeping them at least on track. If there's a game Saquon can't break out, I just feel it would be the Eagles. Like, just the whole, against an NFC East rival, to make a name for yourself, everyone downing you, the Eagles are the perfect game to do it. Because, like, he just came back from injury last uh, last on Monday night. He had six rushes for 25 yards. Obviously, the Giants quickly established a passing game because they saw the Bucks were just not messing around. I d- Saquon, I, I don't want to say he's going to have a good game, but I feel like your defensive front might just be caught sleeping this week. Think, like, oh, maybe Saquon's nothing special this week. We, we don't have to go full as as intense as we have been against some of these other running backs. But this would be the week Saquon would have a decent game. Yeah, and that that's where I'm at, too, because like the Eagles are kind of like middle of the pack this year. They're ranked 12th, uh, giving up 116.5 rush yards per game. And, I mean, that's got to also factor into Daniel Jones running down the field and getting caught by the turf monster oh. uh, when he plays the Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't, that man had a wide open end zone in front of him. No that one in sight. Beautiful. Not even a fan was probably there. Might have been like t- ten fans there that year, and he just fell all over himself. I was like Daniel, what are you doing? The uh, lights of prime time just scare him. 
it was absolutely gorgeous watching him just trip and stumble. Um, but flipping to to the Giants, it's weird because typically it feels like the Eagles and Giants play each other much earlier in the season for yeah. game one. But now we're at the end of November, and it's the first time we're getting a chance to see this Giants team. But, you know, on the defensive side of things, I think a lot of people have been optimistic with some of the players. Obviously, James Bradbury coming in a couple years ago when you guys signed him in free agency. He's worked out pretty well from the outside looking in. Um, but overall, how have you viewed this Giants defense this year and what they've been able to accomplish? I say last Monday night was like a a blip in the Giants defense because they've been better as of late. They started off the season rather poor, but they've played much better as of late. Missed tackles right now is their biggest issue. Like last night on play, I believe it was to Gronk or Mike Evans. They missed free tackles trying to get it. Missed tackles has clearly been this team's issue. But like the, the strength of this Giants defense is the secondary bar none. James, like you said, James Bradbury's been good. Darnay Holmes has been good. Adore Jackson's been good. They are missing Logan Ryan on Monday night, and his return should greatly help the defense because he's a leader back there. He's better than Julia Love. Xavier McKinney's coming on in year two. That uh, this the secondary, I believe, will give Jalen Hurts fits because the Giants on Monday night they wanted to play Tom Brady short. They wanted to have him dink and dunk his way up the field, and he did that no problem. I believe Patrick Graham will adjust to the way Jalen Hurts plays. But Jalen Hurts being able to be a run, a mobile quarterback, that hurts because we don't have Blake Martinez. Our linebacking core is nothing special. And our pass rush is going to have to respect Jalen Hurts in terms of his running ability and his passing ability because Jalen Hurts can pass the football and we just can't develop a pass rush. And Jalen Hurts could probably stay back there all he wants. And if nothing's open, he could take off and easily get those 10, 5-yard gains. The pass rush is what scares me the most against Jalen Hurts this week. I don't believe they'll be able to even get pressure on him and Jalen Hurts taking the ball and running. The secondary will be the way the Giants win. Slow down Devontae Smith, slow down Dallas Goddard. And in terms of the run game, it, it, it just depends on the week. Sometimes they're good. Sometimes they just choose not to be good. But having no pass rush will greatly benefit Jalen Hurts because he will have the time to sit in the pocket, get a good idea of what he's looking at in terms of the coverage, and if no one's open, Jalen Hurts could just take off because the Giants' defense will probably be halfway up the field at that point. And that's going to be the interesting thing that I take away from this matchup is since like that Halloween game for the Eagles against the Lions, Nick Sirianni has really just switched his like whole point of emphasis of this offense and changed it from, okay, Jalen Hurts is going to drop back and pass a gazillion times a game. And now it's more so we're using the run, we're using the RPO, which is like Jalen Hurts' strength, and we're letting Jalen Hurts use his legs as a weapon, and we've seen that over the past couple of weeks. You know, he runs for three touchdowns against the Saints, absolutely destroys them on the ground. Uh, he took Carl Granderson's soul from him and left it on the field at Lincoln Financial Field uh, with an Allen Iverson crossover, and it's almost like the Eagles' offensive approach has been Let's limit the amount of times Jalen Hurts actually throws the ball. Like, in the second half against the Saints, the Eagles only threw the ball eight times. And I think they're trying to do that on purpose where it's like, let's limit the amount of times Jalen actually throws the ball and let him use his legs, let him use his brain to see how, you know, the defense is treating things and use his best strengths to his advantage. So I'm, in, I'm intrigued to see how Patrick Graham kind of game plans going against Jalen Hurts and and utilizing what this Giants defense presents, you know, at the at that pass rush and potentially forcing the Eagles to pass the ball, um, as opposed to what they've been able to do over the last couple of weeks and let Jalen Hurts use his legs and kind of just, you know, 
duck outside and and be a weapon in the running game. Yeah, and this would kind of be the week Jalen Hurts you want to. I think this would be the week you kind of want Jalen Hurts to be a passer a little bit more because as I said, there's no pass rush. There's there's not going to be much of a fear for Jalen Hurts getting a sack and losing the football. But Patrick Graham, he's obviously one of the smarter minds defensively. He could easily mess with Jalen Hurts. He's going to probably have some crazy disguised coverage that going to make Jalen Hurts believe, oh, Devontae Smith's open. Boom, I'm going to hit him. And I know where Xavier McKinney's just going to come in and probably pick it at that point. This is going to be like a true chess match with Nick Sariani and Patrick Graham. With how will Nick Sariani, will he want Jace, uh, Jalen Hurts to be more of a passer this week? Does he want to keep, obviously he's going to utilize late, but he want to lean on Jalen Hurts' leg a little bit more? And will Patrick Graham maybe play like soft the first quarter, maybe first drive or two, make Jalen Hurts believe, oh, I, and make the Eagles believe, oh, we can pass all this defense easily. They're they're struggling. And then, boom, you turn it on, and you got Jalen Hurts flustered in the pocket, making bad decisions throwing the silly passes, get more turnover-worthy plays, which is always the key. This will It will certainly be an interesting battle how both teams decide to approach this week. And, you know, you brought up the the lack thereof of the Giants linebackers. That makes me very intrigued for Dallas Goddard to be an X-factor in this game. Yeah. How do you view just his, like, freak athletic skill set and the way Dallas Goddard can you know, get open in the middle of the field and kind of be a mismatch for opposing linebackers uh, and even some members of the secondary as a tight end. Yeah, I mean, Dallas Goddard is what I've always wanted. Evan Ingr- He's the true tight end. That's what the Giants obviously need. Evan Ingr- is basically a wide receiver playing line, but uh, tight end at this point. And honestly, I thought the uh, Cow- not the Cowboys, the Eagles moving on from uh, Zach Ertz because obviously Dallas Goddard who's like decent, but it's like it's the Zach Ertz show. And then Dallas Goddard obviously now being able to show why he was taken with the- in the 2018 draft. Blake Martinez just not having him just allows tight ends to have their way with this team because Tate Crowder is more of the coverage linebacker, but he's terrible on coverage this year. He's got a 30 PFF grade in terms of their coverage metrics, so he's not good there. Benardrick McKinney, he's definitely not a coverage linebacker. He's more of like your run stuff in linebacker. That's his role. So Dallas, Dallas Goddard's probably going to have a game this week, if I'm going to be honest, because there's no true linebacker that can cover Dallas Goddard and just sit in the middle of the field because they're going to want probably James Bradbury on Devontae Smith. And now Dory Jackson on the other side. This is this. I think this will probably be a Dallas Goddard type show. Who will be that safety blanket for uh, Jalen Hurts? Because like, oh, all these guys are covered. Like, oh, but the Giants don't have a linebacker. Let's just have Dallas Goddard roam in the middle of that field, like like five yards, five seven yards. Boom! You hit him. You're staying ahead of the sticks. You're staying ahead. You're staying on track with the drive. This is a Dallas Goddard type week. That if if I had Dallas Goddard at fantasy, I think I would start. If I'm being honest, because there's just lack of linebackers. Well allow him to feast all over us and i gotta say danny it seems like Devonte smith is pretty happy to be in philadelphia um i'm certainly very happy that I'm, the the heisman winner is in philadelphia i'm glad he's not running away with new york jason garrett. He, <laughs> I, I don't want to know how jason garrett would have utilized him i was so mad he'd be on the bench yeah when you guys traded up i was, I was like oh they're taking smith right out from under us i couldn't believe it the way I was ready to do backflips if I was that nimble was through the roof. I was so excited. Honestly, it worked out for us because we got that extra first-round draft pick. But I was like, I really wanted Devontae <laughs> Smith so badly. So badly. And, man, is he so good. Like, when he has the opportunities there that are presented against, you know, opposing defenses and when he's able to get open, he's just insane. He had a, a touchdown called back because uh, he was kind of pushed out and didn't get the the second foot in, but... He's going to be so special with like jump balls and like 50 50 balls, even at his height and his size. I, I just can't wait for him to just continue to get better. But with Devontae Smith in this offense, the Eagles using Quez Watkins, 
uh, when he decides to run forward, Jalen Rager. Uh, and then obviously Dallas Goddard in there as well with his speed that he presents at the tight end position. And then just the the plethora of running backs we have, plus Jalen Hurts. I ask everybody that's been on the show this year, just because it's different for me as an Eagles fan and, and everybody who covers this team, how do you view the Giants' defense matching up against like the speed presence that the Eagles have across the board on offense? We all know the traditional Big Four sports, and we have our favorite teams and enjoy them each and every week during their seasons. But what if I told you the fastest-growing sport on two feet doesn't involve football, baseball, basketball, or hockey? Come join me, Dom Ponteri, and Harrison Kremens as we break down the sport of the future each and every week on the Outside the Box podcast, talking all things pro and college lacrosse right here on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. The look at how your wide receivers. I mean, the Giants sec, like the second day will will cause the fits. James Bradbury's good. Uh, Dory Jackson's having a low key, quiet, good year. If you're not watching the Giants often, you're thinking like, oh, Dory Jackson there. How's he doing? He's doing solid himself. Uh, slot corner wise, Darnay Holmes. They finally given him reps again. He's playing better. They have a uh, Aaron Robinson. Man, nothing special, but. The secondary will provide a legitimate challenge for this uh, wide receiver core this week because they're good. I mean, you guys obviously you had a decent game against the Saints, who are a halfway decent defense. But Jay's Bradbury and Dory Jackson will certainly cause Jalen Hurts to not, not Jalen Hurts. It will certainly cause these wide receivers to work extra hard on their routes, find the opening holes, and give Jalen Hurts an opportunity to pass the ball. And these are good one-on-one corners. But the Giants don't play a lot of man though; they're his own defense. So you're gonna and you saw on Monday night. There was a lot of holes in that defense that Tom Brady was able to find. If Jalen Hurts could take advantage of that and pick apart this zone, then he'll just have his way all game because the Giants are just not a man team. They play man now and again, but they're just not a man. Defense is not Patrick Graham's game. It's that zone defense, and that has hurt the Giants at times this year. It's also helped the Giants at times this year. It's just how well can Jalen Hurts diagnose what he's seeing out there on the field. But in terms of – in terms of man coverage, I would give the if the Giants play man, I would give it to the Giants because I do believe their secondary is just better. That's just my opinion. Looking at the Eagles' uh, wide receivers, at least it, maybe not their slot. Who's the slot wide receiver for you? Is that a, a Rager Watkins? Is that it's flip flops depending on matchups? It's either Quez Watkins or Jalen Rager, but uh, Jalen Rager just over the last four games has five yards. Yeah, it's awesome. Five. There we go, Jalen Rager, living the life. But in terms of your outside. Wide receivers, I would give the advantage to Bradbury and Adore Jackson in man coverage. But like I said, we're not much of a man coverage team. So as long as they could find those holes, which are there are plenty of them, they were easily there on Monday night. I would say the Eagles wide receivers might just be sitting in these zones and Jalen Hurts can just hit them easily. And then on the flip side, if he ends up playing, which I mean, he was tweeting while he was in concussion protocol, Darius Slay. Uh, more than likely matching up against Kenny Galladay, the old Detroit battle uh, in this game. Are you nervous about Daniel Jones passing against the Seagulls defense, which the past defense we talked about much better than the run defense this year. Darius Slay over the last four weeks has as many touchdowns as the Detroit Lions have as a team. Um, I, I've been very like surprised by how good the Eagles pass defense has been this year, um, how they've been able to kind of once Jonathan Gannon realized, oh, I can I can force pressure against opposing offenses, and and that is good for our defense. 
uh, it's been like night and day uh, until he decides to take his foot off the gas pedal in like the third, fourth quarter. And then it's like, oh, it's time to panic. Let's get more pressure going. Um, how do you view Daniel Jones playing against this Eagles defense? And how do you want him to kind of approach his passing game going up against, you know, Darius Slay, Steven Nelson, the pass rush that the Eagles are going to present? And then obviously uh, in the, you know, deep secondary with Anthony Harris and Rodney McLeod. It's interesting because obviously, when if it was Jason Garrett, I would have known exactly how they would attack, and they would have attacked below ten yards, nothing deep. It would probably stick curls. You got to slant here and there. Be, be simple. That's how he would attack, and I would not feel nervous because there's no risk taken in that offense. But now it's Freddie Kitchens. Obviously, he has less than a week to prepare for the Eagles. So how much will change? I don't know. Probably nothing crazy, but there will be more deep shots. And obviously that battle between Kenny Galladay and Darius Slay, I think will be much more interesting this week because I believe there will be those one-on-one opportunities. But this is when Daniel Jones is at his dangerous almost, it feels. When he has a bad game, he knows the pressure's on him. He needs to prove that he can be the guy. He makes silly mistakes. We saw that on Monday night in that one horrible pass he tried to do. If you get pressure on Daniel Jones, he gets flustered and he doesn't feel confident. But obviously the difference is Andrew Thomas is back. That's an anchor on the left side of the line. You don't have to worry about the left side. And also, why teams don't take more advantage of Nate Solder is beyond me. Put all the pressure on Nate Solder's side, you're easily going to get by him. He can't do anything. The right side is egregious. Will Hernandez, Nate Solder, if if the Eagles are going to take advantage of anyone, take advantage of those two guys. You'll easily have your way. But I just, it's just a question of how aggressive will Freddie Kitchens want to be this week with Dan Jones. If he's aggressive, then I'm a little more nervous about Jones. They stay conservative. Not as nervous. It's just such a wild card with how Freddie Kitch is going to call this game. I can't say how will how will Daniel Jones attack it without now that it's not under a Jason Garrett type cloud. And you know, you brought up Jason Garrett and like being over the moon that he was fired. But do you, in a short week coming off a loss, do you view that as a little bit of a disadvantage where Freddie Kitchens doesn't have as much time to kind of you know get what he wants to do in place and and kind of figuring out uh you know what he wants to do in a divisional matchup yeah the the, the move to fire jason garrett was r- the bye week you get you would have given freddie kitchens the time to develop a game, good game plan for the boss and for the rest of the season now yeah like you said i just don't know how much freddie kitchens is going to be willing to change what they've been doing and on a short week but like, hey guys we're going to completely scrap how jason garrett's and call players are going to be become an extremely aggressive defense we're going to be taking shots every chance we get and that's how it's going to be for the rest of the season. That's just not possible. You're going to have to develop this over time. I believe the Giants will be more aggressive, and that's something the Eagles, they might get caught a little lacking of. Maybe they'll be like, oh, maybe the Giants are not going to be as aggressive short week. And then, boom, Giants come out there, deep ball, deep ball, deep balls, and they just take advantage of you guys over the top. Freddie Kitchen will be aggressive. Like I think that the license play guy, I was a Giants super fan, he, he had like said like a, a random over-under of deep passes at three and a half. I would take the over on that this week, and I do believe the Giants will be more aggressive. It's just how much will change on this short week, I don't know. But Freddie Kitchens, he called a halfway decent game against the Browns. He just had to work with uh, – that 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 sounds bad because I love Colt McCoy, the sheriff, the greatest backup quarterback to grace the NFL today. There, there will be noticeable changes. How much will it affect the game? I don't know. It probably won't be anything crazy. <laughs> Again, the whole podcast hosted by Stephen McAvoy and John Mavalia. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Get In The Whole Pod and be on the lookout for a ton of great content keeping you up to date on the world of golf. 
releasing weekly a part of the Underground Sports Philadelphia family of podcasts wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Next time you play the Eagles and the next Giants person you're talking to, I would imagine they have a different answer because the Giants will probably be a more aggressive team in two or three weeks, whatever that is. Do you think Freddie Kitchens could end up being like the long-term offensive coordinator? It's possible because Baker Mayfield would play well to Freddie Kitchens. And the thing is, Freddie Kitchens is a Joe Judge guy. He has the Joe Judge connection. As Justin Paddock, the other one of the other talk, the guy who hosts the other po- the podcast, said everyone now on this coach staff has a connection with Joe Judge. And now Freddie Kitchens. I don't think he's the long-term answer at all for the coordinator. I think you need to find someone a younger offensive coordinator, maybe go on the college circuit, maybe look around the NFL because there's got to be quality offensive guys out there. Because Freddie Kitchens, obviously, it worked out, but, like, is he really the long-term answer with Daniel Jones? I, I, I can't sit here and say that with confidence. Obviously, he has a nice audition period to make it work out because Joe Judge is not being fired at the end of the season. He's It'd be wild if he's gone at year's end. But... I, I'm not, I don't think he's the long-term answer at offensive coordinator because this is still an offensive staff that has let everyone down. And Freddie Kitchen is a tight end coach. The tight ends are nothing special. So I think you need to find someone outside the organization and just rebuild this offense from scratch, which is unfair to Daniel Jones because this will be his third off the coordinator at this point. But it's what you got to do to give this offense even a fighting chance. We brought up from the Eagles' perspective, we think Dallas Goddard's kind of going to be that X factor. Do you think... For the Giants, whether it's on offense or defense, the overall X factor in this game is going to be James Bradbury. James Bradbury. Uh, I'll be honest. I think the Giants severely missed Logan Ryan on Monday night. I think he will be the X factor. He's that veteran presence in the secondary that can call out plays, get that secondary alignment to where it needs to be. I believe he will be the X factor this week for the Giants. I, I, I think we'll get a pick on Jalen Hurts this week because obviously it was just COVID protocols. So he should be back because I do believe he's vaccinated. So I think Logan Ryan would be the X factor this week for Giants. And offensively, I don't know. I mean, the X factor will probably be Freddie Kitchens because you just don't know what he's going to do. That's very true. And uh, Danny, you've been on this show before, but I've implemented uh, some fun new things with our guests. And uh, obviously, you uh, knowing both of us being you know nerds, Star Wars and Marvel, I've got one of those questions lined up yes. for you. And I've also got a holiday-themed one since it is Thanksgiving week. So I'll start with the Thanksgiving question. Uh, if you can invite three uh, members of Giants history, current, whatever it may be, of the Giants in your lifetime, uh, who would you want invited to your Thanksgiving dinner? Uh, of course, Eli Manning, bar none, the obvious answer. Uh, I'm a big fan of Dominic Rogers Cromartie. His personality, I absolutely loved it. Just the whole ooh wee thing. I just loved everything he brought. Uh, so I would bring DRC. Eagles legend DRC. No, uh, New York Giants legend. 20, <laughs> he was horrendous with us. I love DRC. That man was. Uh, DRC. And third, I would probably bring over. I'm gonna. I'm gonna bring over like Sean O'Hara or David Deal. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go David Deal. I like David Deal because he was in a halfway decent offensive line, and I haven't experienced a halfway def- decent offensive line in my lifetime. So I was like, what's it like to actually be good at your job? Oh, it's It's been great having an awesome offensive line over the past I'm, decade I'm, or I'm, so for the Eagles. 
I'm convinced I will die before I see a good Giants offensive line. Because <laughs> they're like, oh, we're, we're rebuilding it. Yeah, it's been rebuilt for like God knows how many years at this point. And you, and you get rid of your best offensive lineman to keep Nate Solder. Like, what? Yikes. Kevin, you got rid of Kevin Zeidler. What are we doing here, people? What are we doing? Actually, no, I take back my David D. Letcher. I want Nick Gates, the center, before he broke his leg. Uh, he's just such a baller. He, he would fight Aaron Donald. He's like, I'm going to fight the greatest <laughs> defensive player in the NFL right now. I was like, dude, what are you doing? You're wilded out. Get a grip. Uh, and then our, our nerd question here. If you had to pick and choose uh, characters uh, from the Marvel and Star Wars universes to recreate the infamous boat picture, who would it be? That's so foul. That was, you just got a <laughs> boat question. That's outrageous. I can't believe that. The infamous boat picture. Um, I feel like you got to have Iron Man in there because I feel like he would be on that boat easily. Uh Anakin, Anakin would easily be on that boat. Yes, because he was just such a rebel, didn't care what anyone said. Oh yeah, and put Ahsoka on there as well. Rebel again, doesn't care. Um, oh, I want Rocket. Rocket. Oh, that's dope. a good call. Rocket's dope. Uh, Star Lord, gotta yes. have Star Lord on the boat as well. And then, how many characters did you say? Um, let's see how many guys were on that boat picture. Because there were so many randoms. I know there's right. Ode- oh, was Odell, Victor, Roger, Lewis, Sterling, Shepard. There might have been one more giant. So I'll I'll I'll, I'll do five in terms. Yeah, of Yeah, let's do five. Uh, I I might be at four right now. Star Lord, Rocket, Anakin, Ahsoka. I'm at four. And uh, Iron then, Man. And oh, so there we go. There's the five. There we go. Five. There's five. Iron Man, Anakin, Ahsoka, Star Lord, Rocket. That's it. That is all right. And then who's got the Tims on? Oh, who's got the Tims on? <laughs> Top bins, top tier commentary. Top drawer, upper 90. You already know. You already know. I think that's how it always goes. We went like 45 minutes and we were at like Chelsea. (laughs) (laughs) What are we doing? (laughs) Um, I'm Dominic Ponteri. I am Matt Kester. And we are here to talk about Champions League soccer today. Hey, it's Top Ben's time. What's up? We're back. I'll be honest, it might be Rocket. I could see Rocket yeah. just walking around in a pair of Tims. Got the Yankee, got the Yankee with no brim, or the Yankee with brim. Either way, Rocket easily just like the the coolest guy of the group. Easily, yeah. Rocket's definitely rocking Tims. Uh, so there is the the nerd recreation of the infamous Giants boat picture, according to my man Danny King. Danny. It's always a blast having you on the show, and I'm sure we're going to be nerding out over the next couple days with Hawkeye coming out. Uh, Cannot wait. And uh, let everybody know where they can check out everything you're doing for Talking Giants, being a weatherman, being a gambling expert, expert. and uh, everything you're doing for uh, John Boy Media. 
Yeah, maybe we'll do what, another two years. Maybe we'll add another title there. <laughs> we'll see what happens. I mean, yeah, the ads. It's just at Danny King. I just, I just, I'm just acting like a fool on Twitter. That's what I do. I like having fun. But yeah, I, I give the weather. I do preview shows. I do draft stuff. I look at draft prospects. It helps me get to know some of these guys. Even though the one guy. I barely looked at was Kadarius Tony, and of course the Giants just go out and draft him. It's, it's like I looked at so many prospects, but yeah, just at Danny King. I just do preview shows there, have some fun in the off season when we need to discuss stuff. That's pretty much all it is. And talking Giants, just the, the, if, if you if you want to like if you want to learn about the other great NFC East franchise, the Giants, you gotta listen to talking Giants. It's just factual. some of the best guys. You, you, Bobby Skinner, Justin, you guys are. Rocking and rolling with Talking Giants. Yeah, Talking Giants all the way. Talking Giants versus the world. And, you know, Bobby might have gotten arrested at the game last night. Bobby (laughs) might have gotten arrested. Kevin may confirm that. He's going to be at MetLife Stadium on Sunday. The stadium might burn down. That's the gimmick going down with Talking Giants. So I would... We're just—it's just wild over there. This is not your average, especially since Bobby cut his hair. So. Oh, he's—he's he's wild now. I actually saw the—he's feeling photo. himself. I saw the cop photo. I was—I was like, was he actually arrested last night? <laughs> and then I saw he was just like walking back, and he posted a photo of like someone that was like wearing a Kyle Rudolph jersey. I was like, okay, no, he—he—he's alive and well. He was not arrested because of Jason Garrison enough play calling abilities. I'm thoroughly convinced that Bobby getting arrested. Is what caused Jason Garrett to get fired. Hey, no, Bobby's actually undefeated going to Giants games. He went to the Giants game uh, when Eli uh, Eli's final home game. Yes, he won there. He went to the Giants game this week. Jason Garrett got fired. Like I said, that's a win in many of our playbooks. So Bobby is undefeated at Giants games, and he's going to be there on Sunday. So what's going to happen? Is Dave Gellman going to be fired this week? Are the Giants actually going to get a win on Sunday? There's a lot of variables we got going right now. I'm trying to think of ways that Bobby's going to ruin Michael Strahan's jersey retirement game. Oh, that's oh, that's the other thing we even touch on. I feel so bad for Michael Strahan. His jersey retirement is going to be full <laughs> of Eagle fans just hurling up things at him. No Giants fans are going to want to show up. I was like, you know, maybe I'll go to this game. No, no, I'm not going to waste my time going to watch this Giants team. I feel terrible for Michael Strahan. They took so long to retire. Like, you're going to retire against the Eagles, a familiar opponent. Maybe we'll be good. And then, no, we're just absolutely horrendous. It's going to be a terrible ceremony for Michael Strahan in terms of the fans, and the Eagles fans are probably going to be menaces to society at that game. They're just going to play $100,000 pyramid at halftime. A hundred. Yeah, they're, they're like, hey, guys, uh, we're deciding just to skip the halftime ceremony just film an episode of $100,000 pyramid. Or actually, no. Michael Strahan's not going to show up because he's going to space now. He's good. That, that's <laughs> he's trying to escape the Giants, so he's going to space. Absolutely, and this is the type of shit you get on Talking Giants. Uh, so definitely go follow Danny on Twitter. Check out everything he's doing with Talking Giants. Subscribe to their podcast. They are absolute, uh, just pure comedy gold with how bad the Giants are. They make it fun, and that's all you can ask for uh, in the NFL. But Danny, always a blast. I'm sure we're going to be going back and forth on Sunday. Uh, about this game and everything that goes down, and hopefully somehow, some way, the Eagles win, and they're even more in the thick of a playoff race. Probably not somehow, some way. When they win, <laughs> you'll be more in the thick of a playoff race. And I'm sure we'll be uh, DMing each other, just freaking about it the first two episodes of Hawkeye. So, oh, of course, it's going to be a blast. But uh, appreciate you, brother, and uh, as always, go birds. No. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening and checking out Eagles Enemies. The support for this show is the reason it sticks around year after year. Make sure you guys are following us on social media at UndergroundPHI on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow me 
on Twitter at KBIZZL311. Make sure you check out our website, undergroundsportsphiladelphia.com, for all of our written content. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast, be a friend, tell a friend, and subscribe, 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 and leave a five-star rating and review to let us know how you're feeling about each and every Eagles matchup throughout the season. We hope you guys enjoy Season 4 of Eagles Enemies, presented by Underground Sports Philadelphia, and we'll catch you on the gridiron next week. Go Birds! We'll